You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by CurioSoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Anthony Flack. I'm a New Zealander, currently living in Tokyo, and I've been involved in the indie scene for about seven years now, and only released one game. Cool. How did you get into games? Well, um, I guess it started what started about when I was about seven, eight years old, about 1984, 1985, when my parents bought our first home computer. This was a Back, back at that time, the Commodore 64 was the, uh, like the big thing in New Zealand. Everybody had a Commodore 64. Everyone was trading games like mad. You know, all the kids were pirating discs for each other and swapping all of these games. And um, we finally got ourselves a home computer, and it was an Amstrad CPC um, with, a, with a green monitor. This was back in the days when... Uh, you know, you couldn't take a color monitor for granted. I had a green screen. Um, and as I say, everybody else had um, had these Commodore 64s, and they were all trading games. I had this Amstrad, which was a, a lot less popular computer, and I, I had to buy my own games, um, which were also a lot less um, easy to get hold of in those days because most of the shops had C64 games. Okay. So I didn't have that many games for it. Um, but the one thing that the Amstrad had that was really great was it had uh, like probably the most advanced basic of any home computer at that time. And it came with a really fat manual that explained like everything you needed to know about working this basic. And so I didn't have many games to play. Uh, I s opened up this manual and started trying to you know, imitate the games that other people were playing on their 64. I tried to write my own versions of them on the Amstrad, and I was um, I was also buying the computer magazines. Back then, the computer magazines had a lot of programming stuff in them that you don't really see in the magazines these days. Okay. So there'd be like huge features in the magazines about how to write machine code routines for sprites, or digitizing sound, or split split screen raster effects, or all kinds of cool things like that. So I was trying out all of these effects and writing all of these like, crappy little games for myself. Um, even back then, I think I was focusing on the graphics a lot more than um, probably was good for the games. I was always trying to push the graphics so hard that the games ended up running really, really slowly um, because I think that even back then I was starting to develop an, an interest in animation. Um, so I'd write these really intricate animation routines and write these sort of games that were barely playable, but they had these really, really long, intricate, detailed animation sequences in them. Wow. Were you able to show the games to other people? No, no, okay. nobody. Nobody saw them. And I think, um, you know, looking back on that now, that I think if I had actually like put together a disc and sent it away to some people, I probably could have gotten a job <laughs> gotten into the industry in some way because even yeah, though the games were not great, I mean, 
the, the actual graphics that I was doing, even though I was using a green screen, and um, were, I mean, compared to the quality of the graphics that were out at the time, were, you know, at least up there with, with the top stuff. Um, but, you know, nobody ever outside of my immediate family, nobody saw any of it. And, of course, in those pre-internet times, I had no real contact with anyone else who was making games. So, wow. They just sat on discs until, um, I don't know what happened to them. They're all gone now. Okay. When you were making these games, did you try to mimic or imitate some of the Commodore 64 games? Oh, a lot of them, yeah. And uh, a lot of like so many of the games that I saw, I would try and directly copy, and I was making up my own stuff as well. But a lot of the things that I was doing back then, you know, as a young kid, directly imitating Commodore 64 games or arcade games and sort of making my own strange versions of them. Wow. Now, when you made these games, what did you consider? Did you have, like, a favorite game that you made? Um, almost none of them got finished. I made, like, you know, it's, it's I guess, you know, part of being that sort of age that you'd see something one day and, <laughs> wow, wow, it'd be all full of that for a few days, you know? And I'd make some little demo of it, and then something else would come along and catch my attention, and I'd forget about it. So I had discs full of, you know, one-level games or games that had a like this main character that would run around, but there was no enemies or no point to it. Uh, okay. A lot of things like that. And I made up a few things that got finished, but you know, nothing really worth mentioning. There were, um, you know, not much thought put into the design process. A lot of a lot of uh, work gone into the animation and learning my skills in that area. Okay. And also learning all of the basic sort of programming things that you need to know. I sort of discovered all of those techniques of how to make something jump and how to detect a platform and all of those kinds of things I developed when I was young. Okay. So after that, what did you do next? In uh, uh, well, that continued on until I was about maybe 14 years old. Wow. And then I just got into music really heavily, and that sort of... I mean, by that time, the Amstrad was pretty old. Okay. Uh, people had sort of moved on to the Amiga, and I didn't have an Amiga. I was mostly concentrating on playing the guitar and doing music stuff. And uh, and the whole time, I was also doing art. Like that, This is something that's sort of run through. Yeah. I, when I was really young, I was into art and computers, and then when I was more in my teenage years, I was into art and music. Okay. Now and I sort of forgot about the computers for a while. Okay. You mentioned the fascination with graphics and stuff, and so when you were, uh, as you were progressing and developing more and more games, were the animations and the and the art aspect of it just getting more detailed and complicated or interesting? Or was it still more of a sense of play, you know, by the age of 14? Um, I never, I mean, by the time I got to the age of 14, I knew the Amstrad pretty well, and I could get, you know, some pretty interesting effects out of it. But I still wasn't making games that really would hold up as games. They were more, almost more like graphics demos. And okay. trying to, you know, create, I guess I wanted to be an animator at that time. That was the beginnings of me wanting to be an animator but with the technology of the time you know I was working with what I had and I did in fact go on to become an animator like 
having left behind the computer game thing for a while when I went to art school I went to art school I have a degree in filmmaking okay um, so I, so I actually became an animator without any regard to video games and it wasn't until later that I got back into the video game thing again okay well what inspired you to get back into video games well um I it never really completely went away I was always sort of interested in games I, I still liked games I but for a long time, I I just thought that it, it was going to be beyond me. Um, you know, I, I knew the Amstrad fairly well, but that was an 8-bit computer, 64K of RAM. You know, it's a fixed platform. It's fairly easy to understand, and I'd left all of that behind. I hadn't kept up with the programming thing. So when I, I was coming back years later, I was looking at this PC that I had because I was using the PC uh, with animation software, and I was writing my essays on a PC and all of that. I bought the 100 megahertz, whatever it was, Pentium. Cool. And just thinking that um, it was t it was beyond me. You know, I didn't understand this machine. I thought programming has become far too complicated. I'll never I'll never get to grips with it again. But I always sort of thought, you know, I'm doing these things that I'd like to see in a video game. I was doing this play animation, and I thought, well, you know, um, we're finally sort of getting to the stage where computers are powerful enough that you can actually have play animation in a game, because I'd wanted to do that, you know, for a long time. I'd always been interested in models, but it, it wasn't until sort of the late 90s that computers were actually graphically powerful enough that you could even recognize that something was a clay model and not just a bunch of pixels. Okay. So I had this idea that I wanted to see the um, the kinds of graphics and animation that I was doing. I wanted to try that in a sort of a video game context. And, um, you know, the work that I was doing with the animation was getting quite heavily into compositing and layering anyway. I wasn't shooting everything in camera I was often like shooting things in separately and putting them together um, in the software in the way that you would do when you're making a computer game and so I, I was still having these thoughts but I thought uh, you know I'll never I'll never be able to learn it I'll never be able to do it and I, I did actually try hooking up with a friend who was a, a C programmer to try and get a game started um, but it's you know it can be so difficult when you're working with somebody else and absolutely yeah you know projects have a way of just sort of collapsing especially if you're not spending a lot of time with that other person and keeping each other motivated um, but that was actually um, some of the graphics for platypus were actually done um, with this guy I gave him some of the like the spaceship and the UFO and the mountain. I made these things and I gave them to him. And he sort of, he got them flying around on the screen, but then he um, he kind of ran into some technical difficulties and that sort of stopped happening. Uh, a little bit after that, I discovered the what's called the div programming language. It's a, like pretty, it's very sort of outdated, primitive, language um, 
by today's standards, but it had just come out, or just come out in English. It had been around in Spanish for, like, some years, and it was a DOS-based games programming language, which kind of gave you everything that you needed in a really nice, simple package that somebody like me could just pick up and go, and, uh, okay, I understand these commands. I can get something happening on screen. Okay. So I got I got this uh, div programming language, and... Uh, and I made a game called Bert the Barbarian with it, which was my first, you know, real attempt at trying to get my play animation into a game of some form. And the limitations of the language were uh, not, I mean, I ran into the limitations of the language very quickly. Uh, being a DOS-based language, I only ran in 256 colors. It had all of these other language uh, limitations that it was very, very slow. Um, and I was also I also very quickly ran into my own limitations in that I um, ended up making a game that was more like an animator's game than a real game designer's game. And if you play that game, you'll see that it's got some nice animation sequences in it, but it's also very it just doesn't have that flow. It it re doesn't really have that thought put into the design. Okay. And uh, so you know sacrificing the actual flow of the gameplay for nice animation. So that was a lesson learned there. And um, and I ended up, I entered that game in a competition, and it won the competition, and it got me a new computer. Um, but after that, I sort of used the competition as an excuse to say, okay, that's over, this game isn't isn't going to work out. It's, it's a, a learning process for me. Okay. Well, after you finished that game, did you show it to uh, friends and other people? I mean, it's... Yeah, well, by that time, by the time that I was working on that game, we had the internet, right? And that, okay. you know, changes everything. So I was able to put this game on the internet, and, you know, I was able to get feedback from people. I was able to start getting people to see me, which, you know, was it's just so different from, from what I was doing when I was a kid, and... In complete obscurity. Absolutely. Now, this uh, this clay animation style. I mean, it's probably different when you when you first introduced that game. It must have seemed different to a lot of people. Um, what were the what was the response, and what got you? What inspired you to to take that route? Um. Well, I was doing clay animation anyway as an animator. I was working as a well as a like I tried all kinds of animation techniques when I was at film school and I kind of settled on clay animation because I really, really like the look of it and I really do like working with models. I think there's something quite neat about knowing that the things that you're seeing on the screen are actual physical objects that you can imagine actually being in the world somewhere. You know, they're things that sat on my table. Um, and I developed the technique also because it allowed me to work quite quickly but still get good results. You know, um, cartoon animation is terribly, terribly time-consuming if you want it to look good, um, whereas clay animation pretty much looks good. I mean, if you get the movement right, the models itself are going to look good. And I also was really, really sick of drawing backgrounds when, um, when I was doing cartoon animation, drawing the same background from different angles, uh, so 
in working with models, you get all of that kind of thing for free. So that attracted me to clay animation when I was working in film school. And um, I, I just think it's a really cool look. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and it did, of course, um, doing it in a game did um, it did give me get me some attention. It's probably the major factor as to why I ended up winning that competition because it was so much better looking than the other games yeah, in the absolutely. competition. Not necessarily uh, better gameplay in there, but it was impressive enough looking and different enough looking. I mean, it wasn't the first clay animated video game, of course. Um, the first one that I ever saw that probably first put the seeds in my head of doing clay animation in a video game was I think it's I think it was called Trog. Okay. It's, a, it's an arcade game. Uh, Midway, I think, made it um, with little cavemen and um, dinosaurs running around. It's not a great game, but it was the first time that I'd seen clay animation in a video game. And um, later on, I played The Neverhood. Okay. Which is which was a PC game. I think it came out in '95 or '96. I was already working in clay animation at that time and I already wanted to do like really wanted to make a PC game that used clay animation but seeing that game just sort of vindicated me and thought yeah this needs to be done this is great uh, I don't know why more people aren't doing that okay so you win the computer and you're on the internet now what what are you thinking next in terms of game development okay well by that time I had discovered div uh, not div blitz I had moved on from Div to Blitz, and um, you know, as soon as I picked up Blitz, I realized that this this is more like it. This is a proper programming language, which gives me uh, not only more power; it's faster, and and it gives me the the modern features. But it's also um, it's not holding my hand as much as Div. It is a real programming language that gives me the kind of control that I wanted. But at the same time, it was I still didn't have to. You know, learn too much fiddle faddle. I, I tried yeah. to learn. Um, I tried to do something in uh, C a few years earlier. Um, I'd bought a book on on DirectX three programming, and wow. I, <laughs> yeah, that's that's when it was. So games programming using DirectX three, and um, and this well, C compiler, but um, you know just writing a couple of pages of code just to get a window to come open and to have... Yeah, you must have had a heart attack. I mean. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I was doing other things. I was doing music, I was doing animation, and I just thought, you know, do I really want to do it that badly? You know, I've got other things, better things to do with my time. So I just, yeah, you know, maybe... Well, also, also around that time, I mean, DirectX 3 along with C, it's not necessarily the most uh, nice API. I don't know if you had to use COM interfaces and all that other stuff, but... Um. Yeah, I, I could see. I could see why that could be an issue. Yeah, I think if I had more drive towards making games at that time, I probably would have persevered and got through it. But it was just okay. that barrier was just like, oh, nah. Uh, but when Blitz came along, it was just so easy to get into it. It was like a few lines, and I had a graphic on the screen, and it was like, okay, I can work with this. I've got some graphics okay. on the screen. Let's go. Um. Now. By that time, I had um, 
I hadn't pursued the thing with the spaceship and the UFO and that because I'd left it with this other guy, this friend of mine, in case yeah. he was ever going to finish it, which is why I went and did the Bert the Barbarian thing. But by the time that I that this was all happening, I um, it was pretty clear that that was never going to go anywhere. And I really, um, after doing this game where the animation had killed the gameplay and I was feeling like I really needed to get back to basics and learn how to be a game designer instead of just this animator guy. So okay. I decided that I wanted to take it right back to basics and make a simple spaceship shooting game so that I could concentrate on making a game that was fun to play without getting distracted and bogged down with fancy animation sequences. You know, So it's just basically flinging sprites around the screen, not worrying about making all of these intricate arm flailings and jumping and rolling and stuff. You've just got a spaceship that moves, it shoots. I can concentrate on making a simple game that hopefully is worth playing. Okay. And so it was my first uh, time, like probably within the first week of using Blitz, and I took these graphics that I had and I made a simple little demo because one of the things that when I sort of first gave this idea to this guy, one of the things that I had in mind was just that if you had all of these little pictures of hills and trees and things and you put them in lots and lots of parallax layers, it would hopefully create a fairly decent um, impression of 3D if they were kind of lumpy looking hills where you couldn't, I mean if they were square it wouldn't work because you you'd see that they weren't true 3D, but if they were just like yeah. this kind of lumpy shape and there were enough parallax layers that maybe it would create quite a convincing impression of this kind of infinite clay landscape stretching away. So I really wanted to see what that would look like. Um, that was the initial impetus. So I quickly coded that up and I put the spaceship and the UFO in um, <laughs> to give it, you know, some something. Uh, so it wasn't just a landscape moving past. Yeah. Um, and I stuck that on the internet as a demo, and um, it sort of went on from there. Now, at that time, I was working as a commercial animator. I was making TV commercials. But uh, I'm living in a small... Well, I was living in a small town in New Zealand at that time. And uh, things were not really that good for a commercial animator living in a small town. You know, I was working with small advertising agencies yeah. uh, for companies with very small budgets that really didn't want to be um, making animated commercials. They wanted to be making $500 commercials. Uh, so I was working with not quite that low budget, but um, quite low budgets and um, ridiculous time frames. Like I'd get a call on Monday... <laughs> Um, saying, you know, there's a, there's a job on and um, the TV commercial's airing on Sunday. So I have to, <laughs> like, I've got a week, no notice, to um, come up with an, a 30-second animated TV commercial. Um, so I'm not doing my best work because I'm working with these ridiculous time frames and I'm working with scripts and ideas that I think, oh, this, this is no, really not very good but I'm powerless to actually have any input into that side. You know, I'm just the donkey that has to do all the animation. So I was 
staying up all night, you know, I'd often stay up two or three nights running, working around the clock, trying to get these um, animations done, and and finally meet the last career to have the tape sent out to the um, to the TV people, so that it could go on here on air by seven o'clock on Sunday night or whatever. Okay. And, um, it paid. It paid pretty well. It wasn't like I said. The budgets weren't high, but for a week's work, it wasn't that bad. But yeah. the main problem was that most people didn't want to buy an animated TV commercial. They wanted cheaper commercials. Uh, so I could go for months without having any work. And so every time I did get paid, I'd be thinking, how long does this money have to last me before the next job comes in? So I was, you know, for all of those reasons, the inconsistency, the not being able to make my own projects, the not being able to take the time to do the work as well as I wanted to, I was quite unhappy with the whole um, TV commercial thing, and I wanted to do something where I could decide I'm going to start this project myself, and okay. I'm going to decide what's going to go into it, and I'm going to take as long as it takes to do it. So that made me think, you know, I'll maybe I could have a go at games for a living. Yeah, and that would be another way of using my animation skills without having to rely on this crummy commercial uh, TV commercial world that I was inhabiting. Um, now, with that situation the way that it was, I had just gone through a very, very dry period of no work, and I was completely now, out. Now, was, was this after you released the demo? This was about that time that I released okay. that first demo, which was just like two days' work or something, slapping together okay. these things, and I put it on the internet. Um, so I was in some serious money trouble, and I needed to pay the rent, get some food, didn't know where my next job was coming from, was interested in sort of making a break in game development. Okay. And I just posted this demo up, and immediately... After putting this demo up, I got a call from, um, or an email from Guildhall Leisure, which are now a Digicon. And oh, they, cool. they said, we really like your demo, we'd like to publish it as a full game, and we'll pay you money to do this. And I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and they paid me, so I agreed, they paid me. Fifteen fifteen hundred pounds to make the game, and you know, in hindsight, that's it was a terrible deal for me. But <laughs> at the time, I was thinking, okay, you know, rent solved. They'll pay me this money yeah. up front. I'll be able to pay my rent. I'll be able to survive for the next few months. And also because I'd made that demo in a couple of days, you know, I thought, okay, I'll I'll spend a couple of months making this game. And this will be sort of my in. I knew at the time that it wasn't much money, but I thought this will be a good way to sort of find out if I can actually make games. Absolutely. And I had in my mind this idea that I'd be making four or five games a year like this because I'd never completed a game before, so I didn't know yeah. what was involved. Um, so I signed the deal and started making the game and very quickly discovered that it's... There's a world of difference between making a little <laughs> making a full game, as um, as I'm sure everybody listening to this will know all about yep. by now. <laughs> um, 
um, and it ended up taking me 18 months. Oh, wow. To make okay. the finished game, which is... <laughs> obviously, by the time I'd finished it, I was in even worse financial situation uh, than when I went in, because I was... Not only did I was I still trying to struggle with these TV commercials, but I also had this game that I needed to finish, and of course the money from that was long gone as well by the time that the game was actually done. But okay. I, I know that I probably should have made like a real cheap, just finish the game, it's a piece of trash, here you go, that's probably what they were expecting. But sort of for my own personal reasons, I didn't feel comfortable with doing that. Yeah. It was like I knew that people were going to, they were going to be selling this game to people, that people would see that in the shop, and it would be my game, and they would buy it, they'd take it home, put it in their computer. I didn't want people to say, what the hell is this crap, and be disappointed. I wanted to give them a game that they were actually glad that they bought. And to do that is actually a lot more difficult than you first expect it to be, and, and can take okay. a lot of time. When you started doing this game, and you posted it on the internet, did you post it like on the Blitz forum, or was it some other place, or was it on your own website? Uh, I didn't have my own website at that time. I think it was probably um, on the Blitz, in the Blitz basement, because this would have been before the Blitz forum actually existed, because it was right when the first version of Blitz was first first released. Okay. So the 18 months that it took to finally complete the game, I mean, what what were the surprises that really extended the time? Was it just because you needed you had to handle all these details or were were there a lot of other issues that you didn't anticipate that popped up that really delayed the completion? It wasn't really programming issues uh, or anything like that. It was more just the fact that, you know, how long does a game have to be in order to justify you buying it and taking it home and playing it? Yeah. Good point. I mean, for a shoot 'em up game like that, where all the content is just scrolling past the whole time, it keeps coming at you. Yeah. Um, you know, I ended up making a game that's about 45 minutes to play from start to finish, and that's not that long a time, but to have new things coming at you constantly for 45 minutes is it's a hell of a job. Um, and I didn't want to just pad it out with endless, boring, the same thing happening over and over again because I wanted to make a game that people were actually glad that they bought. So I'd be playing it through and thinking, you know, every time I thought, uh, okay, this is getting old, I thought, okay, now I need to put a new thing in. And so however long that took, every, every 30 seconds or whatever, I'll be thinking, okay, now I've got to add a new spaceship or a new background or a new something. So it was okay. just the idea of just throwing in more and more stuff that keeps on wheeling out as you play through this 45-minute playtime. It was actually going to be five levels long instead of four levels long, and I ended up, by the time I got to the end of the fourth level, I just thought, oh, this, this has got to stop. <laughs> this is enough. They, they can be happy with this for what they're paying. <laughs> Great. Now, when you were developing this game, when it became an official gig, did you also pick up books on game development or game design or anything else to get you um, situated into producing this game quicker than no, possible? No, I've, I've, I've never... Um, 
I've never read any books on game design. It's something that I've given a lot of thought to, but at that time I probably wasn't thinking about game design very much at all. I mean, it is a very, very simple game. Part of why I wanted to make it was because it was so it was such a known quantity. It's a side-scrolling shooter, very, very basic kind that okay. I knew would kind of work, that not too much would go wrong with it. Um, looking back on it now, I think that I probably um, was quite naive in my approach to it. I think I could have made a... I probably would make a much better game now, um, thinking more intelligently about the design. Uh, but that's not to do with... Um, like reading books or anything like that, I think it's more that I've made an effort to play like all of the best games, and I've okay. So that when I first made the game, you know, I was basing it on old arcade machines, and now I've actually made the effort to go and play all of the games that are considered to be the best in all the different genres. So I've got a much better understanding of the full range of things, and I've also had a few years to think about the design implications. But uh, the other thing is that I wasn't really thinking about time management or any kind of strategies like that at that time. <laughs> I, uh, I just wanted to see if I could make a game that I thought, you know, this is an alright game. Can I finish it? Will people like it? I wasn't. <laughs> it didn't concern me, and it still doesn't really concern me that much if I, um, if I have to suffer for it. Okay. In hindsight, I mean, are there maybe one or two things that you could change to have released the game more quickly, or made it more better, or anything else? Um, yeah, there are there are definitely things that I could have done um, to to improve the experience for myself. Uh, I never wrote um, any kind of level designer for it. I scripted all of the spaceship movements and things just in code and data, typing it all out because uh, I just never. Oh ne wow! Yeah, so I never bothered to make anything that would that would make constructing the levels easier, and I really, really should have done that. Um, I don't know if it would have made it that much faster, but it would have at least made it easier to make them, so that I could have um, I could have changed them around more. That's probably what I would have done. I would have spent just the same amount of time on it, but I would have taken the time to to make them even better. But as it stands, I pretty much left everything that I made, um, I left in there. If something wasn't working out, you know, maybe I'd go, oh, well, I won't use that so much. But okay. But everything pretty much stayed in. Once I'd made something, there was no sort of reconsidering and saying, I don't really like that, I'll take it out. It was just like, no, that'll do, that's a bit, of, a bit more variety, I'll move on to the next thing. Cool. While you were developing this, did you uh, post different versions, or as you were developing it, did you post different versions on the Blitz, or show it to other people on the internet just no. to get feedback? No, I showed okay. I showed it to absolutely nobody. I went into a complete cocoon and uh, wow. developed the entire thing in total secrecy. I didn't show the publishers or anybody because <laughs> I just I had this idea that you know I want to do it the way I want to do it and. Um, and, and you can't see it because it's not finished yet. That kind of, um, okay, you know, that feeling of you don't want to show it to people because it's all wrong, and oh, I'm going to fix that bit up. <laughs> so, so I don't look at that. You know, I just it's it's difficult for me to show people these half finished things. So I, I didn't show it to anyone until it was completely finished. Um, and then when people did see it, the first thing they noticed was that it was far far too hard. 
because I'd been playing it for 18 months and, and I'd <laughs> based it on, on some pretty hard point. old arcade games, you know, I thought, that's perfect. Uh, and everyone said, uh, we can't play it. This is far too difficult. So I learned my lesson from that one. It, it, it is important to, to share it with people and get feedback at every step of the, of the way. Okay. So after 18 months, you finish it. Did you call the publisher? I mean, what were the publishers thinking by then? Were they were they still expecting the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kept in okay. touch with them, but I sort of I said um, one of the things when I did sign it over, even though I was accepting it um, for such a small amount of money, and I knew at the time that it was a small amount of money, I did say at the time, okay, um, but I'm just going to make it the way that I want it to be, and okay. and I can't say when it will be finished uh, because I don't know. And okay. so, so I kept them up to date with saying, yeah, yeah, it's coming along, it's coming along. And then when it was finished, I said, here it is, the finished game. <laughs> and, cool. And that was pretty much the end of it for uh, um, for a couple of years. It didn't it didn't sell. Um, I, I didn't get very much feedback from it because um, they weren't selling it online. They were just selling it oh. in shops in the UK in their little $5 budget range of games, and they had heaps and heaps of games um, from all kinds of Blitz programmers and other people and anywhere they could get games from, just big yeah. stacks of them, right? So it was sitting there in a big stack of other games, and you know, nobody even noticed it. And so that was sort of that was the end of that. Um, well, when you gave it to them, did they also own the online rights? Uh, yeah, I'd signed it over, like, completely. Um, okay. Believe me, I've looked at that contract <laughs> before. Yeah, it, it also covers um, uh, ports to other other platforms as well. It's just basically signing over the whole thing. At the time, okay. you know, when I signed up, remember, I thought this is just a practice game. Yeah. I thought, I'll be making a few games a year. You know, this is just my practice one. I'll make a whole bunch more. It doesn't matter. It's Exactly. It's no concern to me. Okay, so you release, okay, you give it to them, and you find out that it's not necessarily selling um, a million copies. How are you feeling, and what are you thinking about next then? Um, well, that didn't really concern me because, well, I didn't know how many copies it was selling anyway, but I wasn't really expecting it to sell much. I knew that they had just this little budget range. I was just relieved that I finally had this game finished that took me far, far yeah, too long. Yeah, congratulations. Um, it was, yeah, it was a fantastic <laughs> feeling. I, you know, like getting out of prison. <laughs> Not that I've ever been to prison. Um, but I was looking forward to finally moving on to another game because, of course, you know, when you're developing a game, you're still getting ideas for other games, and by the time you've finished one, you've got like, 15 others that you're dying Absolutely. to it on. and. I knew from my experiences when I was young that um, absolutely vital that I don't touch any of those ideas until the first one's <laughs> finished, otherwise the whole thing just collapses. Um, so I really wanted to get on to another one. I knew that I'd given the publisher a pretty decent game, and I... I was hoping that I'd be able to, you know, take things further because now I'd proven myself that, okay, I can make a good game. I'm not just an untested nobody. You know, perhaps we could do something better um, next time. But they ended up giving me, like, they offered me 
pretty much the same deal again. Like, okay. Only a little bit more, and I just had to say, you know, I really I can't afford to live like this. You know, it's it's ending up like paying me cents an hour to do this. I can't, I can't possibly continue like this. I can't do it. Um, but by that time, I had discovered the whole online shareware community. Oh, great. Okay. Um, so I'd already started to, to read about these things and started to think about, um, you know, there, there are other alternatives. Um, so I was already thinking about starting my own website and putting out my next game, which I still haven't done, um, myself. And, and what were these sites when you talk about the online shareware gaming community? Are you talking about Indie Gamer uh, or were there other sites? I'd be, pro I'd be talking about Dexterity Forums. Um, okay. Before the indie gamer forum. Okay. So so it was around about that time, and I, w I was starting to um to meet these people because um you know the internet is such a fantastic way of getting to know everybody. Yeah. You realise that this community is actually um you know it's quite small. It, and and you can actually get in touch with all of these people. I've I've come to know so many of the people that are actually out there doing games. Um, and it's just made such an enormous difference. But I couldn't possibly imagine even doing this without the possibilities of communication that the internet's given us. You know, I'd never know that these people yeah, were definitely. out there. Because there was, you know, pretty much no game industry in New Zealand. That was the thing. There was no companies to apply to jobs for. There were no people who worked making games that I could yeah. see around me. I, I mean, there's a couple of companies there now, but even so, it's still only just getting started, so it's really just this internet community that we can exist in for someone who, who comes from a small country like me. And I've also okay. got to know you know, most of the other people who work in indie games who are fellow New Zealanders that I would never have met if not for the internet. So it's, it's really great. It's really changed everything. So you're thinking about making your next game, and you're on the Dexterity Forums, and you're probably realizing that you could even make a you know a really decent income doing it. So what kind of game are you thinking about? And yeah, what are you thinking about next? Okay, well I'm still not thinking about markets because that was really it was still in the days before we had the whole casual thing um, where where everybody started thinking about what's oh, yeah. the demographic and all of that. It was just really more about you know, if you make the kind of game you want to make, you should be able to find an audience for it yeah. using the right strategies and going out there and selling it. And it was back in the days, you know, where you could put a game on download.com and people would... Oh, okay. Um, so I'm just thinking, okay, I'll make my next game. And um, still, with almost no thought into it, uh, just on a whim, started <laughs> my next game, but, you know... Like I had all of these ideas sort of churning around in my head, and um, one of them sort of popped to the front, and I thought, okay, I'll do that. So I started working on it, and I've been working on it ever since. But uh, okay, but I've changed a lot in that time that I've been working on it. I've sort of I've come to appreciate design so much more, and I've. I've had to change my game like a lot from from that sort of carefree starting a game. Um, I ended up like one of the things that's 
has taken me a long time was that it's changed so much from my initial structure for the idea, which was... Okay. And, and it initially played out mostly like an arcade game, like where you've got lives and you work your way through the levels, and it's just basically like that. And then later I sort of was thinking, well, that's not really the way that I want to play the game, and that's not really the way that I enjoy playing games these days. So I ended up having to rework the structure completely. And over the time that I've been working on this game, I've, I've sort of come to appreciate um, just how difficult it is to design a really good game. Um, okay. Like, it's not that difficult to make games. It's not that difficult to program them. It's not that difficult to make the graphics or whatever, or at least, you know, I'd gotten to the point where it wasn't that difficult for me to make a halfway competent game. But to actually design a really good game is, um, you know, that's that's sort of the challenge that I'm, I'm going to be facing when this game's released, because this game has been the one where I've sort of started to grapple with these problems and started to try and work on becoming a real game developer. And that's been my focus over the last few years, to really become a proper game developer and put real thought into the way that um, that games are designed. When you first started this game, how long did you think it would take? Oh. And what's the name of this project, by the way? Okay, the game is called Cletus Clay. It wasn't called anything at the time. Um, my initial thought was, um, okay, I've made this shooting game. Now I want to make a game which uses a bit of animation again. I want to make a character-based game which has funny characters that run around and do stuff, and I can use my animation skills again. And I knew that it would probably take longer to do it that way because I knew that it was more difficult. Uh, but eternally optimistic. You know, you never think that it is going to take that long. And actually, it, I probably was... You, I probably would have got it done in, in under two years if um, completely unexpected life events hadn't sort of happened. Okay. I mean, like, in the first year of the game development, um, I probably got about 70% of the work done. That, oh, wow. Cool. Um, but then I got married, and I moved to Japan, and I had a baby, and I ended up working full-time as a teacher, and... Um, also working at night some nights as well. So I've got a baby, I've got a full-time job, I'm in Japan, I'm, everything's completely changed from the time when I first started working on the game. And okay. the amount of time that I spend in game development has just completely dropped away from when I used to spend like 8 or 10 hours a day on game development. Now I'll be lucky if I spend that much in a week. You know, That would be a good week. So it's really, really, really slowed down for me, but I'm also making plans at the moment to, when my current job contract finishes, the game will be finished, I'm going to go back home to New Zealand, and I'm going to become a game developer again, I'm going to have another go at it, but I'm going to have okay. this game that's done, that I can be selling, so that hopefully when I'm making my next game, I will actually have some income coming in so that I can support myself. Okay, so while you're developing this game, I mean, Platypus comes uh, comes out online. Yeah, so um, that happened like a couple of years after Platypus was um, 
initially released, and I was actually um, I was actually considering buying it back um, a little while beforehand, but uh, I just at that time just um, didn't have enough money. I've, I could easily have afforded it um, like in the situation that I'm in now, but at the time I, I still didn't have that much money. I wasn't established okay. in Japan yet, and and then suddenly it comes out. And, um, you know, I, that was cool. I, I thought maybe um, people will, will finally get a chance to see it, and that has happened, yeah. and that's been really good. And I've just kind of sat there on the sidelines and um, enjoyed people playing the game and, and enjoyed the fact that people are getting to see my work now, and it has helped me become visible. Um, people, awesome. People do know that I exist now. Um, I'm getting interest in my work, so it has been a really positive thing. But um, then it just kept going, and it kept going, and I still... <laughs> yeah, if I recall, it was, it was on the real uh, top 10 real download list or something. Yeah, it got to number one, and it, and it was on the top 10 for ages, and and I didn't you know, fully appreciate what that means either. Um, it was just like, okay, um, yeah, it's on this top 10. Um, good. Um, and it won, it won the uh, action game of the year at Real as well. I think. Oh wow. Um, okay. And so, when it wins all those awards, I mean, is that validating you? Is that inspiring you to finish up your upcoming game more quickly, or what were you thinking then? Yes and no. Um, in a small way, it, it, I mean, it does. You read about these things and you go, oh yeah, yeah, I, I better finish <laughs> the new game. You know, it's um, it's so much more impressive. Um, it's it's a shame that nobody's seen it, um, but at the same time, it's not that really that inspiring on a day to day kind of. Okay. And and then also thinking about the money isn't really that inspiring <laughs> either. It's like it's really just you and the work grappling with this thing, trying to wrestle it into shape. You know, and any kind of outside okay. influence isn't going to make that much difference to that. You know, very personal conflict. Well, when it started gaining all that fame, did you have screenshots of Cletus Clay up and your website up? I probably did. I, I don't remember exactly when everything happened. I've I've had those same screenshots on my website for the, at least a couple of years now. I'm, okay. I'm just waiting for for like some of the bosses to be put in, and then I'll put some more exciting new screenshots up. But, yeah, I guess I've sort of got this sort of low-level interest in my website that's kind of been quietly building and ticking over, and I've got a few. Yeah, that's... But the other thing is that I wasn't really associated with the game, so there wasn't okay. that much direct... I mean, my, my, my name is on there in the credits, but uh, Squashy Software's not mentioned. It's an iDigicon game, so... I okay. Most people that played it, I don't think, had made any connection between that game and me. I wasn't able to establish any kind of direct connection there. Okay, so you're not getting emails from casual gamers saying, I want to play your next game. I, I am, I, I do, um, but not, I mean, when it was really popular, I wasn't getting, like, heaps of emails. I, okay. I, I get the occasional email from someone saying, well, I've, I tracked you down and um, and I think your game's great and I, I've seen your screenshots and I want to play your next game and I'm 
always write back and say thank you very much. I, I'm sorry it's not done yet. I'm, I'm embarrassed about that. Um, please be patient. I'm, I'm trying to make it as good as I can. I still can't say exactly when it's going to be finished, but I think it's going to be worth the wait, hopefully. Okay. Now, there were some changes made to, made to Platypus when it was put online. And, I mean, do you know anything about that? Do you know anything about... I mean, does that, did that influence your game design or your perspective on doing more solid game design or being more detailed about it? Um, no, it... I knew about it because I was talking to Mike the whole time that he was doing it, and um, the changes that he made are, are exactly the changes that I would have made if I had of, you know, still had the game. If the game was still mine, I mean, I knew that these changes had to be made almost as soon as it was released and as soon as I got some feedback back from people. Okay. But it it was gone, you know. When I released it, it was punched onto CDs and it was gone. Um, okay. But I knew. I knew immediately that the game needed to have uh, different difficulty modes, and um, you know I I wasn't entirely convinced that the mouse control would work, but as soon as I saw it, it was like yeah that that works great, and um, and of course the other thing was to make the game a lot smaller because when I initially made the game I didn't care about download size because I knew it was going to be punched onto a CD. Oh yeah, okay. So Mike managed to crunch the game down and make it more suitable for a downloadable game. But I was already thinking about these kinds of things. Um, like Cletus Clay is a um, much, it has a lot more content in it, but it will, oh, yeah. it will be a smaller download. Because right from the start, I, I was thinking about ways that I could pack more in from a smaller download because I knew that I was going to be making a downloadable game, not a CD-based game. Um, so it didn't I mean, I was already thinking along those lines, and I was, I was probably th thinking even even more than that. I mean, I know that um, Mike did a really good job on what he did, but he also, um, as a very sensible businessman, sort of knew exactly how much effort to put in and what wasn't worth it. Like, um, I, if it had been my game, I would have probably completely rewritten all of the scripting for all the different difficulty levels and um, okay and might just just put in a few basic changes that you know they were good enough and it worked and it worked out really well for him but um, by that time I was already sort of starting to think really deeply about the implications of design and it's been something that it affects the game that I'm working on but the game that I'm working on is still uh, it's it's still very much um, contained by the initial game that I started four years ago um, on a whim without really thinking about the design. So it's not, it doesn't really quite reflect where my design sensibilities lie at the moment, even though it's influenced by them. But I, I was, I decided, I discovered by that point that, um, you know, the design is really the difficult part. This is the really challenging part about yeah. making a game and it seems so easy from the outside because when you see a game that does everything right it just does it so effortlessly it's <laughs> so simply with just a few things that you know the the menu the interface is it's just a couple of buttons and and the gameplay it's only a few things but they just work so perfectly together that you think this there's nothing to it but the iterations that you have to go through to, to reach that kind of masterstroke 
yeah. is just enormous. And um, I'm constantly frustrated by, you know, I see all of these design implications and try and balance things, but I'll end up writing something extremely complicated because I'm trying to cover all the angles and make sure that everything works together. 